Hello and welcome to another episode of Their Giants. I am your host as always, Roger Munter, and um, this is going to be a fun one. I'm joined uh, once again, I think the second year in a row by Eli Walsh, uh, who writes for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, he just dropped, I think, last week his Giants rankings for the year. Uh, so we're going to talk a little a little uh, Giants rankings, a little last year's Giants rankings, a little what has changed in the meantime. Uh, Eli, I, I appreciate you taking some time to come chat with me. How are things out on the on the sunny side of the country? <laughs> well, it's sunny now. Um, you know, uh, I'm down in San Diego. We got we got some rain yesterday, but uh, you know, it's it's it, it's it's been relatively mild. You know, relatively mild winter. So, uh, yeah, things are going well. Uh, you just did put out your Giants rankings. I, uh, how long of a process is for you? It's 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 a great ranking. One thing you guys always do that I, that I love is the top twenty five and under list, which which does a much better job of capturing sort of young talent than just prospect mm-hmm. rankings does. Uh, what is the whole process for you in kind of like putting one of these things together? Well, this year I had a little more time to do it than last year. I think last year's list came out in uh, yeah mid November, and this year's mm-hmm. came out in you know mid January. So I had a little more time to. Uh, you know, go over scouting reports and, and, you know, cross check rankings and, and, you know, feel more, uh, feel more cemented in, in, you know, where, uh, where we have everyone this year compared to uh, last year. So. I always push my mine as far into the winter as I can. So I, I just started <laughs> right. writing my top fifties. I'm like, I'm going to take every last second I can to, to soak right. up information. And I still get texts. I just got a text from a scout today. And it's like, ah, dang, I guess I should have moved that guy to a different spot. Yeah. I was also, I was also kind of, you know, I was expecting at some point there would be a trade that I would yeah. have to rearrange things. And that didn't end up happening yet. But... You never know. You never know. It could still. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to start with you by talking about last year's list. Um, last year was a really interesting year for the Giants because they did finally start utilizing a lot of their uh, their prospects, their internal options to fill holes. When we talked last year, you and I were both really high on Casey Schmidt. In fact, I remember you saying that you were one of the guys kind of pushing Casey up the, the BP 101. Um, this year... I mean, I can tell from your 25 and under list, uh, he's fallen back down your personal rankings after what was, in fact, a pretty tough debut. What do you make of the year that uh, Casey had? And and we might as well lump Louis Matos in this discussion, too. One year into sort of the, the these guys, the first wave making the, the majors, what did you make of the years that the guys like Schmidt and Matos had last year? I mean, Schmidt, uh, you know, obviously the the plate discipline was an issue in the first, you know, half, two thirds of the year. It, it ultimately got him demoted to Sacramento, um, you know, at, at, in August when, you know, the Giants couldn't really afford um, to, you know, have a, a hole like that in the lineup, you know, when there were eight other holes in the lineup at that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but you know, I think he he definitely showed a little more promise with the bat in the last six weeks of the season or so when he was when he was up, um, you know, since he went up and down a little bit. Um, the BABIP was low, I think, in his last like 30, 20 or thirty games, it was like two forty or something like that. So you know, his 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 uh, surface level stats didn't really show 
that, you know, he was taking a few more pitches. He was being a little more selective. And I know that, you know, Giants officials were publicly um, uh, complimentary about that the last, you know, the last few weeks of the season that he looked better. He looked more confident. Um, for me, the concern with him was a little bit more that, you know, and, and sort of the same with Matos that, you know, defensively it was a little bit shakier than you might expect um, when they got, you know, to the big leagues, I think for Schmidt, I, I, maybe this is me reading into it a little bit too much. It seemed like sometimes the game would just speed up on him a little bit um, or he would carry, you know, offensive struggles uh, into the field, whatever it was. Um, I still, I still have a, a good amount of confidence in him given, you know, the way that he appeared to adjust those last few weeks of the season. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back this year, has, you know, more uh, more information just in his head about how pitchers are going to attack him. You know, he's never going to be a guy who's going to walk 15% of the time or anything like that. And he doesn't have to be. Um, but, you know, to some extent, he is going to be a bit of an average-driven, de- average uh, you know, offensive player. So yeah. you would certainly like to see him, you know, make a little bit more consistent contact. Matos, I mean, I know you've talked about it on the podcast before. He, you know, and everyone's really talked about it. Uh, you know, he just needs to hit the ball a little bit harder, get a little bit stronger. Um, but I, I think that his his offensive season was actually pretty encouraging when you look at, you know, his walk rate, um, his strikeout rate. You know, he didn't get bullied by major league pitchers necessarily. Yeah. Um, he, he was hitting a lot of line drives. It's just that, you know, when you're, hitting them 95 miles an hour, they're going to hang up, you know, for an easy catch, uh, you know, center field ups and, and, and gloves it. So, um, you know, yeah, obviously he has to hit the ball a little bit harder. Um, but generally speaking, I was, I was pretty encouraged uh, by his 2023 debut more than Schmidt. Uh, and, and, you know, it's easy to forget too. I mean, Matos hasn't turned 22 for another few days another week yeah um and so and so you know there are guys who are going to get drafted in july who are you know almost that age um so it you know it can be easy to forget sometimes and and this you know will will come up when we talk about kyle harrison and marco luciano in a little bit as well that you know these guys are still just getting into their 20s they're just physically maturing um you know I, i i still have pretty high expectations for Matos and, and Schmidt going forward, I would say. Schmidt, I mean, I know we talked about this last year with him too, that there was a tendency to chase in the numbers in the minor leagues, um, but he didn't get bullied. Yeah, bullied is a good right. term for it. I mean, he was overwhelmed with swinging. I think at one point he was swinging at 50% of the pitches outside the strike zone. It's an interesting, we're going to talk about uh, Luciano here in a minute, but I just thinking about that comparison. One thing that was really interesting with me watching Luciano this year was I was listening to a a podcast the other day and and somebody was talking about a type of player who is trying to be more patient and what they do is just swing less. Like they don't Mm -hmm. actually make better decisions. They Mm -hmm. just stop swinging as much and, and have that sort of bring down the chase rate there was something about that in what Luciano was doing this year. Like every at bat was getting extended to three, two, which is a little dangerous for him because he does have 
contact issues in the strike zone uh, with breaking balls. Um, and I was thinking like, well, Schmidt gets himself out too much. You can't have that. Mm-hmm. Luciano, I think maybe is leaving some value on, on the table by not being a little more aggressive uh, at the beginning of it at bats. It is really a tremendously fine line that these guys are trying to, to hone right. in, to, to not go wrong on either of those uh, yeah. kind of particulates. And maybe yeah. being a Matos who can actually make contact outside of the strike mm-hmm. zone is really how you, the way you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Uh, um, you know, Luciano, I mean, his uh, small sample, obviously, but you know, 14 games in the majors and his strikeout rate was like 37, 38%, something like that. Like that's obviously not going to fly over a full season, you know, if he keeps running that. But I think that there's certainly, you're right, there's certainly a middle ground for him um, between the approach that he had for for a lot of last year that, yeah, was passive, you know, sort of feels like the right word, um, passive in the wrong way. Right. Um, You know, there's probably a middle ground between that and his approach uh, earlier in his minor league career that was, you know, a little more aggressive, um, earlier in the count and you know he did a little bit more damage um earlier in the count as a result yeah i i do wonder particularly with sort of pat burrell taking over the hitting um hitting coach role in san francisco mm-hmm. if we see him kind of like dial that back and fine tune a mm-hmm. little bit because obviously what you want to do with luciano is maximize the hard contact that he can make right. uh which which can be you know hunting earlier at bats so you, um, one thing that I think is noticeable about your list is you have consistently kept Luciano above Harrison. You did that last year. You did that this year. Uh, you know, it, it might not matter because they, they've kind of got to the majors at the same time. They're expected to have big roles uh, on the team this year. So we're going to kind of see them in the majors together. Uh, but what is the has been the separator for you in sort of holding Luciano above Harrison uh, when you when you put it down? I think this year, even more so than last year, it's probably kind of a coin flip between the two of them. I think they were also back to back on, on our top one one as well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it just comes down a little bit to, you know, Luciano's going to play every day. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, like you said, they're both going to have big roles on the team this year. Um, I think that, you know, obviously the Giants expect them to have big roles on the team in the years to come. Um, and, you know, Luciano, just has the kind of offensive profile that no other Giants hitting prospect who is close to the majors really has right now, um, which is, you know, 25 to 30 home or power on the left side of the infield. Um, they just don't have anyone else like that. Maybe Rainer Arias gets to that at some point, but he's in the outfield. Maybe Walker Martin gets to that at some point, but he's, you know, He's, he hasn't even taken in a bat in, in Pro Bowl yet. So mm-hmm. we have no idea, you know, where he is going to sort of end up in the next three, four, five years. Um, so, you know, Luciano and I still have a, a good amount of confidence that he is going to get to that offensive profile in the majors. Uh, you know, we did have him, I believe I had him ranked as a 60 high um, this year. So, you know, OFP 60 and, and, and high variance. Um, but you know, that's not to say that, like I said, that there's a lack of confidence that, you know, he he gets to that offensive profile eventually. Where are you on his, uh, his defensive profile? Because I actually moved quite a bit this year when I, when I got to watch him play kind of, you know, for a few weeks on end, uh, I actually thought he was moving pretty 
pretty well at shortstop. And I, I'd, I'd watch him. You know, he's got really good footwork. He works hard on it. I was like, you know, I think this will play, actually. It's it's not it's not bad. I, I I completely agree. I think I think everyone sort of in the giant sphere felt the same way last year. Everyone's sort of cautiously optimistic, like, okay, maybe this can kind of work. Um, especially, you know, major league uh, defensive positioning, you know, can sort of assuage some of those range issues, you know, such as they are. Um, but, you know, I'm certainly more confident now that he can stick it short than I was maybe a year or two ago. So what would you, what would you say are sort of good rookie outcomes for this pair? It's, you know, uh, Harrison's probably going to be a a starter. Luciano's probably going to be a starter. What are we hoping to see, you know, realistically from, from this two, this, this duo? I think Luciano, if he can, you know, the strikeouts, you'd like to see the rate maybe between 25 and 30 percent trending in trending in the right direction. That's obviously that's still a little bit high, higher than you'd want from him. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a player at least the first year or two that maybe you can't look at the batting average and, mm-hmm. and judge him, uh, judges his offensive profile just based on that. Um but you know, if if the slugging percentage is around 450, um, and he's getting to that power consistently, he's you know he's hitting doubles, he's hitting the ball hard. His his exit velocity and hard hit rate were excellent last year, and in the, in the very small sample, I think he, you know, he was sort of right around Rafael Devers and Shohei Otani, and you know, guys who hit the ball hard, they hit 30 home runs, 30 plus home runs a year, um, and you know, if he can tap into that consistently if he can stay in that sort of area uh of of, you know those leaderboards over the course of a full season i think that's a i think that's a pretty good um i think that's a pretty good outcome and i think that's also a pretty good forecast of of you know where his offensive profile is gonna go in the major leagues harrison obviously how much he's going to to ultimately pitch is sort of up in the air Mm -hmm. um you know with the with the injury last year and and you know them limiting his pitch counts, maybe he ends up around I don't know 140, 150 innings, something like that. You know, and if they're going to have him in the rotation from the jump, I mean, they're either going to have to skip some of those starts if they want him to you know be effective um, <clears throat> and still pitching in September, assuming they're in the race for a wild card in, you know, in sort of that bubble. Um, I I think it's probably a little presumptuous to think that, you know, he's going to take the major leagues by storm in his in the first half, uh, you know, sort of like Tim Lincecum in his first full season. You know, I, I would not expect him to be an all-star right away or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think, the, the starts that he had last season showed that he can stick in the majors as as a starting pitcher. Um, he got a lot of good hitters out, and he made a lot of good hitters look bad with his fastball and breaking ball. And, you know, I know you've talked about it before, but he, he has that kind of competitive mentality on the mound that, you know, like Logan Webb, he hates to lose and, you know, 
you need that as a major league starting pitcher. You can't, you know, roll over and, you know, you have a bad outing and, and not be pissed off about it, at least for a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit higher maybe on, on Harrison this season than Luciano. Um, but, you know, one, two, three years from now, I think, you know, they're both going to have, they're both still going to have big roles on the team. It's uh, it's interesting that um, one of the guys they've brought in, the Giants have brought in um, to supplement the rotation this year is Robbie Ray, because that's a kind of a pitcher profile that you can compare to Kyle Harrison, a, a guy with great stuff who took a long time figuring out how to how to get in the strike zone more effectively. Um, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what kind of sort of uh, relationship they bond if uh, if if Ray's experience can help Harrison get over that that bump. Um, uh, the, the Luciano you describe, I was thinking about that uh, this morning, is a little bit like very early Trevor Story. Um, you know, maybe without Coors Field, who was a guy who was striking out like 32, 34% of the time, but hitting 25, 30 home runs. And and the reason Trevor Story is Trevor Story today is because he got better at, at right. all those things as he <laughs> went on. You can't sort of stay that way. But seeing a kind of early Trevor story where it's a higher strikeout rate than you want, a lower average in power, maybe that wouldn't be a surprising outcome for him this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there there are definitely concern some concerns with Luciano with his, you know, in zone contact rate. I think it was around seventy-six yeah. percent, something like that, in the majors. Um, and you know, it was in it, it hovered sort of around that number in uh, double and triple A last year as well, too. That's not necessarily, you know, that's not necessarily going to forecast doom for him forever. There are very good hitters who, you know, have Z contact rates in the mid to high seventies. I think you think about someone like Adolis Garcia. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's probably a very fair comp for his, you know, future offensive potential. That kind of, you know, he is he's going to strike out 150 times, maybe. He's going to hit 250, but he's also going to slug 460, 470. Um, and, you know, you're comfortable putting him in the lineup every day just because he has the potential to do that damage at any time, even if, you know, maybe he's not making contact in the zone 80% of the time like the league averages. Yeah, and I think it's especially if if that end zone contact is is – mostly on on good sliders it's okay if he's hitting fastballs and he's hitting you know hangers um the hard contact will play um all right i'm, I'm spending a ton of time on the top of your list so i'll move along <laughs> here a little bit um I, the, the the next pair you have after uh luciano and harrison is is a real apple to oranges pair you know, Carson Wisenhunt uh, and and Bryce Eldridge, um, neither of whom have been around very long, uh, but mm -hmm. have quickly zoomed to the top of lists. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not really sure that ordinal rankings do us any favors when we're comparing, <laughs> you know, a college left-hander and a, a, a high school uh, behemoth who, who just showed up. But how did you mm -hmm. in your mind try and put these two uh, up against each other? Uh, I, part of it is that, you know, we sort of know what Wisenhunt is as a player. We kind of don't really know what Eldridge is yet. I think he probably ends up as a hitter long-term, uh, you know, a full-time hitter, whether it's a corner outfielder or a first baseman. 
um, whatever he, position he sort of ultimately settles at. I know he, you know, he only played right field in uh, in San Jose, and he looked pretty okay out there. You know, he looked like he could eventually be, um, you know, a, a perfectly fine right fielder. He certainly has the arm for it. Um, Wisenhunt, I, I think the only thing that really slowed him down was was you know the the elbow issue, the forearm issue. Um, you know, otherwise, I mean, he goes to the futures game. He strikes out Jackson Holiday yeah. uh, on a left-on-left changeup. You know, he he's sort of performed it at every single stop. Um, you know, every single assignment they've given him. I was my sort of prediction for him before last year was that he was just going to zoom right through a ball in the first couple months, and that's exactly what he did. Um, just because you know, guys that young have never seen a changeup like that before. Um, Wisenhunt, I. I you know, obviously he's closer to the majors. So like I said, we have a little more confidence about what he is as a player. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty high on him. I would say, um, I know we had him in the top one oh one, I believe around 75. Um, some you, of that is just, sorry, go ahead. You mentioned in your write-up, I think the, the one sort of, um, uh, a caution flag, I guess, and it's not a long-term one, is really how little he pitched. And I forget the number you put in there, but it, it, the most he's ever pitched in a calendar year is really, really low. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, at least for people who envision him maybe pushing, you know, possibly into the majors this year, that's that's sort of the one thing to keep in mind, that, that there still is a buildup that has to happen with him, right? Right, for sure. Him and we'll get to Hayden Birdsong as well. Um, I think the only the only real pitcher who's close to the major leagues, uh, you know, who is high on these lists is Mason Black, who has, you know, he's made at least 24 starts the last couple of years. I think he right. threw around 125 innings last year. I could see them pushing him, you know, if he, if he comes to the majors in May, June, whenever it is, um, I could see them pushing him to 150, 160, you know, innings by the end of the season, if he is productive um, and pitching well just because he looks like he, you know, he, he looks like he's been pretty sturdy so far. Um, you know, there, there hasn't really been any health issues that have, yeah. that have cropped up that have kept him down for very long. Um, but yeah, you know, Wisenhunt, um, Birdsong, you know, yeah, you, you just like to see them pitch more in a single season. Um, you know, they've been effective in, you know, the, the games that they have pitched, but yeah, you'd like to see was top hundred innings, um, you know, before saying, okay, he's for sure going to be, you know, a number two, number three someday, something like that. At this point, you kind of got to pull back on that a little bit just because the, 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 you know, evidence is not um, as ample as you would like to, as you would like it to be. Yeah, and that there, there, there's more guys too that you, you include in your 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 deeper ranks past the top ten. You know, Landon Roop is another guy, um, you know, effective but just hasn't pitched much and and pitched not much at all last year. Hayden Birdsong, who you mentioned too, all these guys. Liam, Sim- every- Liam Simon is another guy like that. Liam as well. Simon, although he had uh, TJ, so he he right. will be back sometime this year. Right. Um, uh, Spencer Miles, who who didn't yeah. pitch at all this year, is another guy. So there's a lot of guys who just need innings. Uh, they yeah. were very conservative about innings, and what they, it turned out that that was there was a little bit of a hiccup getting guys in the majors because of that. Um, but l- let's 
I want to talk about these young hitters, but as long as we're talking pitchers, uh, I was really glad to see that you're you're bullish on Keaton Wynn because I've been bullish on Keaton Wynn. Um, he, I feel like he gets lost a little bit, but he's one of the hardest throwing starting pitchers mm-hmm. in the organization. He's one of the best strike throwers in the organization, and he comes with one of the best specialty pitches, which is a pretty good starter kit, uh, I feel, for a starter uh, you put him, I think, fifth right after the Wizenhunt Eldridge group. Um, I don't know. I, I keep looking at him and I see a starter. Do you do you see a starter? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I said this in the write-up, but he looks pretty similar to, to Kevin Gosman to me. I mean, you know, the Giants obviously have experience working with, with a pitcher like this who, you know, throws hard, um, throws it in the zone throws a splitter harder than almost anyone in the, in the league. Uh, I think maybe like John Duran, the twins yeah. throws a harder splitter and, and you know, maybe a handful of other guys, but um, yeah. And, and, you know, when is there were only two pitchers that, uh, that the giants had last year through any fastball harder than 98, I think it was. And when was one of them, Camilla Duvall was the other. Um, and you know, Wynn was getting to that consistently in his starts. So, you know, Giants don't really have anyone who's gonna light up the radar gun like that consistently coming or you know, starting a game other than Wynn. Um, you know, the slider is okay. He barely threw it. Um, but you know, the Giants are are not scared about saying, Okay, you have an excellent splitter, go throw it fifty-five percent of the time. and and, and let it eat and it did um you know he he looked like he passed the initial test last year to me certainly um you know i i again he's another guy who you know just doesn't have a massive inning space you'd like to see him you know be a little more durable over a full season but you know and, and part of that is coming back from tommy john as well um but you know i i I think there's a lot to like about him. It is interesting, you know, and you'll hear people say, well, can you really sustain 60% splitters? Um, mm. uh, and I guess that, that's the question going forward. It's There was a piece a couple of years ago, I think when uh, when Logan Ray really broke out, and it might have been in fan graphs, that talked about how the Giants seemed to have found something about throwing sinkers up in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wynn actually does that with his splitter. He'll throw his splitter mm-hmm. so that it breaks yeah. high in the zone, uh, which is a really atypical use of that pitch. Uh, he also throws it down the zone, gets tons of ground balls. But mm-hmm. as a as a strikeout pitch up in the zone, plus he gets tons of swing and miss, it's just a real unicorn of a pitch. You just don't see 92, 91 mile an hour splitters yeah. <laughs> very often. That break that, that break as much as it does as well. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's, it's It's an aggressive break too. Something just a, a cutter, just anything with a little horizontal faint yeah. would probably help complete the package. But but there's mm-hmm. something definitely to be excited about there. Yeah. Okay. I I, I do want to get in push into this this group of young hitters uh, at which and I think it's really it's um it is a really good thing to see at, as you're starting to get one wave moving up to the majors as the giants have with Luciano Matos, these guys that you will have another group of dynamic hitters like Eldridge, Rainer Arias and Walker Martin starting to come at the bottom. So you, you, you don't have all these big gaps in sort of production uh, coming right. up. Um, this wave looks to me like it could be uh 
Well, it's similar to when Luciano Matos and, say, Alex Canario were were 19-year-olds in San Jose together. It feels to me like that sort of group. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, it's the kind of Martin and and Arias and Eldridge together, I think, have more offensive firepower potential than, yeah, I I guess Matos, Luciano, and, and, you know, or Jairo Pomares, you know, someone, some group, grouping like that, you know, there's a chance that, you know, one or one or multiple of them could be, you know, a more electric hitter than the Giants have had uh, in years, decades, you can't even say. I mean, Buster Posey, <laughs> you know, but I mean, Buster Posey coming out of college, he was never, he was always a pure hitter. He was never seen as, as, you know, like a two-way hit tool and power threat. Um, I get, you know, maybe Brandon Belt, you could say, was uh, when he, when he came into the system, but they have had very few guys going back a long time who look like they could, you know, be four win offensive players eventually, like consistently. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, we have to remember, you know, these guys are teenagers. So it's four, five years until they get to the majors. It's kind of, it's kind of uncertain what, they're going to be as, 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 you know, finished products, but they have a, a more potential right now than I think a lot of hitters um, in, in, in the giant system in any past year. This is certainly different grouping than, you know, Mac Jarrett Parker and Christian Arroyo, um, you know, those, those sort of top 10 lists of the mid 2010s for sure. Well, the, the giants have not had a player, come through their system who hit 30 home runs since Matt Williams and Will Clark. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of, you know, that's our bar here. Yeah. Uh, I mm-hmm. don't know if they've, whatever, whatever uh, Posey's high is, uh, which I think was like 27 in the year he won the MVP is probably the best since then. I think so. Yeah. Um, it, it has been a real dearth of, developing power so let us hope that luciano ends that streak and and Mm -hmm. some of these guys uh um help out in the past okay i'm I'm running long but i do want to get to to sleepers once we get off your kind of top 10 who are guys you like who are maybe in that 10 to 20 range um that you're a little bullish on on potentially jumping up here uh next year it, it's a bit of a cop out because he was uh, he was a comp round pick um, last year, so he's not it's not it's not like he's an eighth round pick or something like that who's going to jump up. But I loved what I saw from Joe Whitman yeah. uh, in his in his brief stint in San Jose. He looks like again, sort of like Wisenhunt. He looks like he could move pretty fast at a ball uh, this coming year. You know, the the slider is excellent. Um, fastball gets it has a ton of movement to it. Um, you know, he he looks like another sort of uh mid-major you know pitcher who you know Whitman was not seen as as like a he was not like down draftless he was like one of the top left-handed college pitchers in the nation last year but still you know the Giants pulling him in the comp round and you know getting what looks like a, a pretty promising pitcher out of him you know that I, I like the, the chances of that happening going forward 
yeah, they they were stunned that he that he fell to them, and and mm. it is kind of a Wizen Hunt comp. So I mean, it's not a changeup; it's slider, but right. you can see him buzzing his way through through a ball mm. this year. In that back half of the twenty, you've got a bunch of hitters who are kind of interesting and kind of flawed as you know, you're going to have right in the back half of a 20 uh, guys with some warts, but something interesting. And I think it's like uh, Velasquez, Diego Velasquez there, Barracoto, mm -hmm. Wade Meckler. Um, do any of those guys pop for you? If you had to like pick one of them to have like a good major league outcome, who would it, who would it be? I think I might still lean toward Wade Meckler just because yeah. his, his back control is so good. You know, he, like the, the major league extent obviously was not good. I don't think anyone would, would argue that, you know, he looked good when they called him up to the majors. It was, it was certainly too early. Um, but, you know, you can't really fake that line that he put up in, you know, across three levels last year. Um, you know, Again, it's sort of the same issue with Matos, where he just doesn't hit the ball hard enough, consistently yeah. enough, to ever necessarily profile as anything more than a table setter or, you know, like a guy who you plug in ninth and turns over the lineup. Um, but, you know, he certainly has a little bit more runway than maybe a Barracoto, just because he could play center field, he runs well, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy who probably could fit on a bench as a fourth outfielder, whereas right. Barracoto, I mean, he, he's going to have to keep hitting, um, to, you know, as he, as he climbs the ladder to, you know, keep having a shot at being on a major league roster someday. I, I'm, I'm sort of bullish on the chances of that happening just because the Giants haven't had hitters hit the way that he did in uh, Eugene. You know, the last few years, you look at, you know, Grant McRae, uh, Iverson Arteaga this past year, obviously Patrick Bailey, yeah. um, you know, guys just really don't hit the way that Barracuda did in, in Eugene. So, you know, I, I think he has a good shot at being at least a short side platoon player. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because uh, uh, that park is actually a pretty favorable hitting park. Uh, right. I think it's the best home run park in the Northwest League. So it's it's interesting mm -hmm. they've had problems there. Yeah, I I I I like what you're saying about Meckler. He's a guy who can do a lot more things on a baseball field. You've got that like group of athletes right at the end of with him mm -hmm. and and Tyler Fitzgerald and Vaughn Brown. It's like these guys can do. They have flaws, no mm -hmm. doubt, but they can do things on a field. Uh, that can help you win, uh, you know, when they're not, when they're not bashing. So uh, right. it's always good to, it's always good to bet on the athletes. Mm. Um, Eli, I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking some time to come chat uh, Giants baseball. Um, it's not too long before you get to watch prospects again. Uh, uh, <laughs> what, what do you do with your winter, Eli? <laughs> uh, I, I rewatch, um, you know, games from 2023 to prep for lists like this. <laughs> um <laughs> you know that and and you know just uh looking more into you know guys who are going to see this year guys like maui ahuna yeah. um some of those mid-round hitter picks who are who are pretty interesting you know obviously the, the last two drafts before uh 2023 were very pitcher heavy and so you know it sort of <clears throat> it sort of made sense that they didn't have 
a ton of hitters moving up, you know, toward the top of the system. Um, And now we'll we'll get to see how good they are at developing hitters in a more granular way than we have maybe in a a few years past. Um, And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how a lot of these guys adjust to San Jose and and Eugene and how the Giants are able to, um, to, you know, maximize their skill sets. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do think that doesn't come up enough that, you know, mm-hmm. Brown and Meckler are the only two right. hitters taken right. in the top 10 of two straight drafts. Uh, that's right. one reason why you're not going to have a lot of bats in, in a system. Well, right. spring training is not too far away. I'm starting to look at Airbnbs. Uh, and maybe <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll, I'll catch up to you in, in Scottsdale in another couple of months and, and we can mm-hmm. take it baseball together. Sounds good, Roger. Uh, and thanks to everybody who's listening out. I will be back again next week uh, with another Their Giants podcast. Uh, Their Giants podcasts are brought to you by my subscribers. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who subscribes to the site. And we got the top 50 rolling out and spring training coming. So it's a great time to become a, a Their Giants subscriber. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, Eli. Thanks. Well, it was great to talk.